Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Welcome to the Abroad Japan Podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined, as always, by top London radio DJ and certified Japanophile, Mr. Pete Donaldson. Pete, how are you doing? I'm not in sh- I'm not sure that little chuckle that you did when you said radio uh, was uh, <laughs> particularly polite, quite frankly. I'm very furious with you. Um, you sound a lot brighter than you did last time. You weren't very well last week. Yes, I'm back on my feet. I'm back on your good. feet. Back on my feet. Uh, it's freezing up here, though. I'm in North Japan. Mm. Whenever we do these podcasts, my location seems to change. Uh, <laughs> the other week, guys, I was in Tokyo, mm. where it's about 15 degrees. But where I am now, in Yamagata Prefecture in the north, it's zero degrees and it's snowing. So it's weird, because it's only like an hour's flight between Sakata and Tokyo. But they're a world apart when it comes to the weather. And yeah. arguably, Tokyo is better in fact, it's a lot better. There's no, there's no argument to be had. It's definitely better. Tokyo's weather is amazing most of the year round. Yeah. Um, well, I, I watched your um, behind-the-scenes um, Patreon video because, against my better judgment, I'm still a Patreon subscriber to the Bronjaban uh, channel, even though I speak to you every week. Um, and, uh, yeah, it looked very chilly, you rolling around the uh, countryside, complaining about YouTube and uh, just chilling your, chilling your behind off. It looked very chilly, but very picturesque. Rolling around the countryside. That's an image, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> rolling around in some snow. In your car. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm doing, I'm doing pretty well. I've been a bit bombarded this week. Japan's been going mental. Um, it's the subject of this week's podcast, mm. but uh, you may have heard the emperor is changing. The emperor of Japan, Emperor Akihito, is uh, abdicating and leaving, and his son, Naruhito, is uh, taking over. So things are, you know, pretty, pretty... I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. Pretty exciting. Yeah. I don't know. Well, it's, it's, it, whenever anything changes in such a big way. So how long has um, Akihito been, uh, been in charge? 20 years, something like that? I don't know. Like He's been running the show since 1989. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he's had a good, a good 30-year run. Mm. Um, but I think the reason it's such a big deal is Japan still has its own calendar. Did you know that? Did you know that, Pete? Um, I did kind Knowledge. of know that. I think we've spoken about the kind of day-by-day day kind of different um, calendar that, that older people seem to know more about and whether it's lucky to do certain things on certain days, get married, don't get married, stuff like that. Um, but they've got their own kind of like... The the emperors have their own... Um, not seasons, what do you call, what would you call them? Like eras, don't you? Era, that's mm. right. Um, the, what I, I didn't know this, but each era is kind of not linked to the emperor at all, really. Like, oh. the emperor doesn't choose the name of the era, which is a bit rubbish, you know. If I was the emperor of Japan, at the very <laughs> least, I'd want to choose the name of my era. Like, the abroad era, or the cool era, or something. <laughs> but they don't get to choose. Uh, it's, it's chosen by some, like, 
officials, uh, various folks. And the one that we're leaving now is the Heisei era. Mm. So Heisei's from like 1989 to 2019. Before that was the Showa era uh, for Emperor Hirohito. And that lasted, I think, from 1926 to 1989. Long one. And the new one is Rewa. Rewa era. Rewa. Uh, and that's the big word. They revealed it the other day on TV. All of the nation stood still. Uh, for like some guy to come out on stage and reveal the word lewa, which means to, it's quite it's a really difficult thing to translate. To be honest, mm. I don't think I've seen various different people translate it in different ways, but I think it means um, what re the kanji for re and there's two kanji. The kanji for re means like uh, command or order or good or auspicious, <laughs> uh, and the second kanji there you go, it's vague, and the second kanji just means harmony. Swa, you know. So the second kanji is pretty easy. The first one's a bit odd, but yeah, I, honestly, command order. It, it, it does not make me run towards my Japanese textbooks to want to learn Japanese more because why do you have to make it so confusing? Guys, it could mean commands, order, auspicious, or good. Well, I'm glad that's sorted out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm enjoying the fact that um, here the uh, the era is ending and a new one is starting on my birthday, the 30th of April. And also, um, hey. Crown Prince uh, Naruhito is... Um, oh, he's a spring chicken, isn't he? What's he, 59? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's about, about that, yeah. It's insane. Spring chicken. <laughs> like that. This is a god we're talking about here. Yeah. You know, they, they see the emperor as a, a godlike figure in Japan. Right. It's quite a weird relationship. Like, in the UK, I suppose it's, we can almost draw some comparisons between the UK and Japan. Like, mm. the Japan has a royal family, we have a royal family. But in Japan, the royal family, the emperor, is seen in a godlike way, yeah. historically. Like, well, more than just a man. Whereas in the UK, they're just people that well, live royalty, in a big building Well, in well royalty, um, historically, um, in most major monarchies, were seen as kind of representatives of God, and that's how they kept mm, people mm. placid. It's a fascinating uh, story. If you ever read about the end of the war in, in 45, Second War, um, and it, when the Japanese gave up, uh, obviously the emperor had to do a speech, basically saying that they were going to give up, and the commanders of the army didn't want them to give up, and it was the first time that... So they basically getting the emperor to record, a, uh, literally record a record, a vinyl record of his um, of him saying that, you know, we're going to give up uh, on, on the old fighting business. Um, a lot of people didn't want him to do that. The head of the army was very much against this, uh, and they stormed a palace that he was supposed to be in. That's right. Uh, and they managed to record these records and, and hide them from the forces that were going to take over this building. And they managed to sneak them out anyway, somehow. Uh, and it was the first time that most of the country had actually heard the emperor speak. And he spoke in this very mm. stilted and strange kind of like posh language that nobody really talks like anymore. And so it's a little bit like our queen. We sort of think our, of our queen as quite plummy, but in the emperor's case... No one really spoke like that anymore because it was incredibly uh, upper class and incredibly old school. Spot on. The uh, yeah, the record com- like created a lot of confusion actually because mm. uh, they didn't really explicitly the state <laughs> that it was a surrender. It was more like we are agreeing to the terms of the Allies' treaty. Yeah, I didn't okay. actually sort of say yeah, we're done, we're finished, we quit, stand right. down directly. So a lot of people confused ah. along with the old dialect of the emperor. So <laughs> yeah. At least they got the emp- at least they got they they managed to sneak the record out. Oh, it was so God risky. Forbid. They were they were getting in there and smashing up the place trying to find these records. I think they made two of them. They made one and a copy, uh, and getting that out of the building and getting that broadcast to the um, to the radio. Bearing in mind that they they were also going around smashing up all of the um, transmitters as well, so nobody could hear it. Um, it was an incredible effort. 
What's interesting is I know this story because I read about it on Wikipedia last week, oh. and I'm pretty certain you've done the exact same thing. Uh, no, when? when no, it was definitely before Christmas. Live. Yeah, you learned this from Wikipedia, Wikipedia a week ago, like I did. <laughs> but he's, I guess with but. any kind of like emperorship or um, royalty, they're so kind of like. Because obviously we're going through massive political upheaval. I mean, is it really upheaval, mm. Brexit? It's just um, the emperor, us finding out that our own emperor has no clothes in that our, um, our political class have no appetite for actually getting something done or not getting something done, deciding things, compromising and actually governing. No one seems to be interested. Everyone's just in it for themselves and trying to get power. Um, so we're, we're a complete state at the moment. Um, and so you would think historically the monarchy would sort of step in uh, and ratify mm. or not ratify plans, but obviously they have no power. They're just kind of um, ceremonial, um, symbolic figureheads for the for the country. So you sort of think of the emperors in a similar sort of situation. Like he has no or very little uh, political power uh, when it comes to the power that Shinzo well, Abe's got. I think that's why most Japanese people, if you ask them about the emperor, they don't. Mm. I, I, some of them don't even know his name. I mean, I, I find there's a real disconnection between the people and the sort of emperor and the royal family in Japan just yeah. because they don't learn a lot about the royal family, what they do, and truthfully, yeah, they don't do a lot in terms of politics. They mm. sort of, again, the same role as in the UK. They sort of talk to foreign dignitaries and, you know, do, hold lovely banquets and things like that. Um, but maybe that's, I think, the reason, so the reason he's abdicated, though, is uh, he's been ill for quite a bit. He's 85 years old. I think he just wants to just live the rest of his life in peace, so fair play to him. Mm. But this is quite a rare thing in Japan. This is a big deal. Uh, and I, I think a lot of Japanese people were shocked in 2016 when the uh, when the emperor revealed he wanted to do this. Whereas I feel like if we did that in the UK, I don't think anyone would really care. No. When, I think if the Queen stepped down, we'd be like, well done, good job, have a drink, off we go, Prince Charles, off we go again. And I think <laughs> people wouldn't be overly enthusiastic about that, admittedly. But... <laughs> Definitely. But... Um, yeah, there's definitely parallels between the royal family. What I like the most, though, is um, when they announced the word Neiwa, uh they didn't really explicitly state how the word came about, but it, they, they found it in, like, an 8th-century poem. Mm. Um, but they said they had a... I think they had a panel of experts who came together to, to sort of decide on the word. Mm. And uh, there's, a, there's a picture going around on Twitter of all the experts, and they've got, like... And they've got they've labelled each expert. So they've mm. got like uh, a lawyer, a firefighter, a scholar, <laughs> and then <laughs> there's just two women, and they're not labelled by their professions. They're just labelled as women. So oh, no. it's like that's their qualification: Jeez. firefighter, lawyer, scholar, woman. woman. It's brilliant. <laughs> I love it. It was it just sort of oh god, typical Japan gender <laughs> stuff there. But. Um, yeah, I found that quite amusing. That, that is, even uh, if there were some <laughs> serious ramifications there, classic along the lines of gender. The um, uh, if if uh, anybody's listening, by the way, if you um, usually kind of switch off five minutes before the end of the podcast, uh, what have we got at the end of this podcast, Chris? Something very special indeed. Well, I don't know. We put, yeah, we've got the we've got a <laughs> you say very special. It's, it's a short special. little interview with Natsuki. Yeah, Natsuki's on the pod. Natsuki's on the pod. Natsuki's on the pod. There's a lot of people on this podcast who probably don't even know who Natsuki is, uh, because I know we've got listeners who don't follow the Abroad in Japan channel. If you could describe Natsuki, the quintessential Japanese man, Pete, how would you describe him? Um, He's like a Japanese Jack Nicholson. Uh, He's aloof, he's sexy, he's frightening, uh, and he's uh, he's frequently misunderstood. (laughs) Yeah, you got that right. And he, 
I've spent the last few weeks with him just up here mm. in Sakata. And uh, yeah, I got I did a 10 minute interview with him. About a minute and a half of it was good. And because uh, <laughs> the thing about Natsuki is he, he doesn't speak English that well. And I can't have him speaking Japanese on the podcast, given that a lot of people be confused. So we've got about a minute and a half to two minutes of a Natsuki interview at the end of this podcast. And he'll be shedding some light on what he thinks of the emperor, or rather what he would do if he was the emperor of Japan, God yeah. forbid. <laughs> work out oh too, uh, man, the Natsuki cigarettes era. for all. <laughs> the life is balloons uh, period. <laughs> what is the word Natsuki? Well, it's balloons. Oh no, the balloon oh, era. Well, you, I, you sent me a video of Natsuki in um, your Ryokan. I presume it's the same one you were in uh, last time we spoke. But you, um, you, uh, he was basically wearing a robe. Um, I think he was drinking alcohol, uh, but his robe. He had like a kind of like a toweling dressing gown, kind of robe, uh, kind of uh, situation on. But then he was wearing like a dress um, belt for like trousers around him, which really made me giggle. Basically, so yeah, basically it's my birthday uh, in about a week or two. Whoa, week before yours, isn't it, Pete? Week before oh, yes. yours. Put that on the calendar, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Um, it's my birthday, and I'm not going to be seeing Natsuki on my birthday. So what he did, he. Uh, Gave me the birthday present of taking us to a ryokan, traditional Japanese inn, mm. and uh, booking us a room for the night. Oh. And uh, luckily we were in separate rooms, otherwise I'd be <laughs> going to sleep in romantic. a bed of smoke. <laughs> but each of the rooms came with an outdoor bath, oh, which was nice. Lovely. Yeah. I didn't even use it, because I didn't have time. <laughs> what a waste that was. But it was a lovely room. Um I always encourage people to try staying in a ryokan when you come to Japan. They cost around $250 to $400 a night, any more than that, and you don't need to spend more than that. Mm. But I highly recommend it. I always recommend it to people coming here because it's the quintessential Japanese inn. You know, yeah. you picture you sitting there on some tatami mats with a nice dressing gown on, sipping your sake in a scene out of a samurai movie. That's what staying in a ryokan is like. Mm. And... Uh, it's beautiful. I was you've you've done it several times now, Pete, haven't you? Yeah, I've I've been to Ryokan. You get like kind of because um, you think of them as kind of like uh, almost like spa hotels, but they're not really, are they? They're, like people, businessmen still use them. Like people mm. people doing business still use them, but they're just like a cut above kind of. Um, they're just a cut above, aren't they? And they, you all have access to a little kind of a bath or a um, or an onsen, and it's like oh, it's so relaxing. It's lovely. Well, it depends. It depends on what one you go for, really. Yeah. Like, if you go for an expensive one, what they do is they throw in a dinner package as well, mm. uh, and the dinner typically costs like five to six thousand yen because it's like an eight-course meal. Right. It's uh, they just it's a never-ending onslaught of food. Like uh, the other night when I did it with Natsuki, we had uh, shabu shabu. Do you know what that is? Oh, I didn't know <laughs> shabu shabu. Shabu shabu. It's meat, isn't it? It's meat on a. Is it grilled meat? Good. I Close. Close. Not quite. Shabu Shabu is uh, an on, on a, I can't say it, on a matapir, um, and it, it means the sound of swishing of the water. Oh, it's boiled. Boiled. There you go. There, there you go. go. It's like a hot pot, yeah. So you get this big plate of like beef and pork, and you swish it through the water, and <laughs> off you go. It was pretty good. Yeah. But I was stuffed by the end of it. Eight courses... Um, they bring out like sashimi. They bring out meat. They bring out indis. They brought out the most bizarre dish I think I've ever had, which was a a, a <laughs> it was a apple custard pie with a fish in it. Um, <laughs> and if you could avoid the fish in the middle of it and its head sticking out, it, quite it was nice. a rather nice custard pie. <laughs> but the fish screwed the whole thing up. It wasn't even a dessert. It was like middle of the way through the meal. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> 
The chef, know. clearly... I don't know if he was the best chef in the world. It was an all right Rio Khan, to be fair. Um, but I think uh, he just, yeah, that, he'd only made the custard pie, the custard tart, and then he was just like, oh, I've got those fish heads to get rid of. I know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> Improvisation. Yeah. Yeah, so, he probably had some leftover fish. Fuck it, I'll stick it in the apple pie. <laughs> Job done, isn't it? Well, um, that's, that's other how... Other than that, it was good. Yeah, well, that's how, like, um, uh, fish pie over here works. Like, any just... As my dad used to call it, lips and arseholes, son. Lips and arseholes. Any bit of fish that's left of, any chunks of fish, any... Um, Rings of uh, calamari, just stick them in. Load of butter, load of cheese, yeah, lovely old job. It's the, the way of eating in the north. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I um, I do recommend it though. If you've if you've ever stayed in a real con, let us know. Let us know about your uh, hmm. experiences. Desperately clutching their experiences from people. But I must admit, over the last few months, one of the, my favourite things to come out of this podcast has been hearing about other people's stories. And... We've got a lot. We get more like stories in the fax machine these days than questions, don't mm. we? Um, we've got one story that caught my eye this week, and uh, it's from Sammy, Sammy Sid. I don't know if there's actually a name, Sammy Sid. Sounds Sammy good, Sid. <laughs> Sounds like they've used two names, but anyway, hello, Sammy Sid. Uh, it says, hello, Chris and Pete. I usually listen to your podcast while I'm preparing the day's lesson for my woodworking group on a Friday morning. Ooh. It's very nice. Anyway, I wanted to tell you this short story about my cousin who went to play with his doom metal band in Tokyo. What's a doom metal band? Doom. I don't, I don't, I don't know. What, I don't know what, what the difference between doom metal Sounds and uh, cool. dark metal and black metal. Um, the delineations of, of, doom metal. of metal, I just, you know, where does hardcore end? Uh, and where does and where does um, metal start? I just don't know. Well, hardcore starts with doom metal. That sounds amazing. <laughs> uh, it sounds like something. I don't know. I'm picturing a video game and music. I'm picturing oh, maybe they're yeah. Music I'm, I'm, I'm picturing game. the um, remember the Eurovision band that won that year from Finland, Lordy. <laughs> they, they were a bit glam. They were all they were just kind of dressed like um, kind of like uh, like Kiss, but um, more latex. They were like kind of witches and warlocks and stuff dressed as like futuristic kind Bloody of warriors yeah. it was something else I cannot profess to ever watching the Eurovision Song Contest on account oh, of the fact that the UK never school. ever wins <laughs> anyway on with the story uh, apparently the uh, doom metal band they played an amazing set and parted until the early hours in the morning mm. but their last minute uh, Airbnb fell through so they decided to book out a karaoke room for four or five hours of rest and sleep before their early flight the next day uh, it's important to point out at this point you, a lot of people actually do stay in karaoke booths because they're open 24 mm. hours a day so you can just go in there at 3am sleep until 7am and uh, have, a, have a nice sleep have a or sleep. sing in between <laughs> if you want you get anything in a karaoke room music food drink it's brilliant um the only problem was that 10 minutes after they got settled into their room somebody booked the next booth and started practicing playing the trumpet very oh, badly no. my cousin <laughs> said he would never forget the hours of torture desperately trying to sleep in a cramped karaoke booth with his bandmates next to him with a terrible trumpeteer <laughs> next door oh sod that that sounds it's really bad enough Hearing people ruin songs next door, let alone turn up with a bloody trumpet. Yeah. Start playing. Not a bad idea, though. <laughs> no. Actually. Pretty good. I'm quite, quite, uh, quite into that, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I what guess trumpets? it'd probably be quite well um, uh, kind of squared away, as in sound-wise. Because you know, if you're spending a lot of money on a karaoke room, because karaoke rooms can run you a, a bit of money, um, if you forget, for example, um, like we did in Osaka, or that I did in Osaka, I forgot that uh, the, all the drink is free. And so I did not imbibe. I did not get involved. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and the, but I, I guess the sound is pretty yeah. good. <laughs> 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. In our daily lives, we all carry around with us different stressors. They can be big, they can be small, and sometimes we might not even realise that we're carrying them around with us. But if these feelings stay bottled up, they can start to affect us negatively, which is why having a positive outlet for discussion can be such a valuable tool for your well-being. Therapy can be a perfect outlet for your inner stressors. It's a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Sometimes just speaking things out into the open can be such a great release of inner tension, so you can spend less time stressing about the issue and more time figuring out how you can overcome it. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash Japan today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash Japan. Yeah, how could I forget your rendition of I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys? Mm. I remember the look on your face, though, when uh, I kept asking Pete throughout the night, do you want to get a drink? And he went, no, no, I'm all right. And then right at the end, he was he went, oh, they're free. And I went, yeah, they're free. It's all you can drink. And he went, oh, no. And that was... That's I'm not. I'm not. Think, I'm not a cheapskate. Disappointment in, 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 on your in face. Way. I'm not cheapskate anyway, but I probably would have got some, something like a Bloody Mary or something, maybe. Because it's like I love Bloody Marys and, and I love like I actually love Virgin Marys. I love anything with Tabasco and Worcestershire sauce in. I bloody love anything like that. And um, you would have drained would have, the taps. I would have dry. drained the taps, taps dry of that nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> But there you go, karaoke mm. and real cans. Um, we've got some questions here. We've got one from Pedro. I'll e. hand it over to you, Pete. Okay. I'll have a sip of my drink. Oh, what are you drinking? It, let me guess. Right. Well, it's, no so, coffee so ra- tonight, no. No coffee. It's yeah. 8 o'clock in the evening. Yeah. What are you drinking? I'm drinking uh, water out of a really big tin cup. <laughs> like the sort of tin tin cup you get uh, Moscow Mule in. Right. Are you in it's the wall? It's really weird. <laughs> like a pirate. A canteen. Are you drinking from a canteen? Um, That's right. Uh, Jesse says... Uh, oh, no, wait. It's Pedro, isn't it? Uh, thank you for the podcast. In the chaotic and hot traffic of Tijuana, Mexico, you guys are a gentle, cool breeze coming out of the car speakers making my drive home bearable. Well, just imagine, Chris, right now in uh, Sakata... Um, chilly as you like, just you know, breezing through the hot heat, the hot heat of Tijuana right now. Um, Sounds beautiful, right? I I will be visiting Japan for two weeks in April slash May. Something that is a bit of a concern is that uh, I'll be landing as soon as Golden Week starts. Uh, any tips or advice on travelling during this holiday? What's it like? All the best, Pedro. Golden Week. Tell us all about it, Chris. Oh God, Golden Week. I so Golden Week is a, an annual event. Mm. Uh, it's one of the longest holidays in the Japanese calendar. I think this year it runs along the last week of April and slightly into the first right. few days of May. And basically, during that time, everybody returns home to their towns, yeah. their family, you know, the family home. Um, so they leave big cities like Tokyo, Sendai, whatever, and go out into the countryside. What this means is that all the highways are rammed, the trains are 
just don't even think about getting on a train oh. and planes, plane journeys. I remember my friend um, was going, I think, to uh, Taiwan. Plane tickets are usually two to three hundred pounds, but it was like fifteen hundred pounds. Bloody now, hell! Uh, during Golden Week, just to give you an idea of how busy it is. Mm. Rule of thumb: during Golden Week, I typically just hide in my apartment under a duvet and do nothing, <laughs> and it's great. Because <laughs> if you go to a restaurant, it's full. If you go to a temple, it's full. If you do anything, it's rubbish. It's just... Bottle. Oh, it's awful. I think <laughs> you can see I am clearly don't Not like Golden Week. <laughs> Not um, a fan. But if you're coming in Golden Week, my advice is book everything in advance, for the love of God. If you haven't booked a hotel or Airbnb or mm. anything, you are in trouble. If you're going to somewhere like Tokyo or anywhere, to be honest, it's it's really hard. Um, I'm actually in Tokyo for Golden Week, I've just realised. Oh, shit. Oh, oh no. no! Why you'd am I be- doing that? You'd better book your hotel, oh, mate. <laughs> I don't think I've. I don't think I've booked it either. I'm doing some event for Tokyo Creative. Well, they could um, book it, can't they? So I've got to go to Tokyo for like three or four days in the height of Golden Week. Oh, what no. am I doing? You're going to be sleeping in karaoke rooms. Oh no! Oh, I genuinely am. Oh no! This is awful. <laughs> don't make me go. But yeah, no. Book everything in advance for the love of God. Um, and in fact, that's a general rule for anything in Japan. Yeah. Japan isn't the sort of country where you just rock up and. Pick a hotel on a whim. You mm. need to kind of book it in advance to stand a chance. So that's what I'll say to you, Pedro. Despite my whinging and moaning, though, I'm sure you have a great time. Um, just bear in mind, things will be busy. If you go into a restaurant, try and get there by 11.30. Otherwise, there will be a big queue. Uh, by 12 o'clock, you know, the queues will be out of this world. Japanese people love to queue and they're very patient. And like us folks in the West, um, I can't stand a queue. If I see a queue, I run away and mm. I'll be having my lunch at a convenience store. Maybe that's some advice. Just get your lunch at a convenience store and wander around instead because yeah. restaurants are going to be full. Yeah. And bring a tent. Sleep in a tent. <laughs> oh, I had some uh, I had some Air 5 Wagyu um, steak of the weekend. I just remembered speaking of restaurants. Right, show off. I'm just saying, well, you do, it's really rare to find it anywhere outside of Japan, isn't it? It's really hard to kind of transport without it... Um, you had A5 beef. Wagyu beef in that's London. What, that's what they were advertising it as at uh, MASH in London. Uh-huh. You could... Uh, um, they get a very small amount every week, and uh, um, they sort of said every time people order it, nine times out of ten they don't have any left. But um, we had this little tasting menu, which was a bit of A5 Wagyu, a bit of New York brisket, you know, just some wow. other stuff as well. Um, and it was like... I think it was like... We had 70 grams, and it was like... 70 grams. 70 grams and, like, maybe 100 grams... That's not a meal. No, it's not. 70 grams of that stuff, and then um, maybe 100 grams of something else, two other things, uh, and it came to about 140 quid. It was not a cheap meal, but uh, I just wanted everyone who I was with to sort of taste it. Um... (laughs) And they were, yeah, they were, they were blown away by it. But again, I, you don't need to eat a lot of really good Wagyu steak, do you? Because it's like, otherwise... Well, you need to eat like, more than 70 grams. You need There's to no way I'll be happy with 70 yeah. grams. <laughs> it's very greasy, though. It's very uh, oily, so... It's just teasing. You know. It is a tease. One to ten? Uh, did, did, no, no did it, you... I hate to sound like the dickhead who's tried it in, in Japan, but I was like, yeah, I mean, it doesn't taste the same, does it? But maybe... <laughs> we, ha- we had it in, like, um, a not the nicest, not the most, you know, moneyed restaurant ever... We had, like, Wagyu mm. steak in... I think the first night we went to... In Sakata, weren't we? Um, we had it, um, me and you and your Canadian friend, I believe. Um, you're right, we, you're we had right. it there, and it was like, fucking hell, this is the best steak I've ever tasted. Um, and then we went out for a bit. Um, and it, and that was not, like... It was expensive, but it probably wasn't the most expensive place in the world. It wasn't the fanciest place in the world. It was just like a bar, wasn't it, really? But it was serving this amazing yeah, steak. Yeah, local restaurant in Sakata. Yeah. It was about $50, I think, for that yeah. Wagyu beef. yeah. So you got a bargain, and it was 
really good. Yeah. But um, did you feel quite smug? Did you show off to your friends? Did you say, I've had I've had Kobe beef in Kobe? Yeah, but the, the problem is with being um, a dickhead in real life is that you don't need to act like a dickhead. You're already a dickhead, so people know that you're a dickhead, so people know that you've got that in you, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah, fair point. I feel that's an accurate description for me. <laughs> as well. uh, you've got a question here from Jesse. He says, Dear Chris and Pete, great show. My name's Jesse. I <laughs> All right. Nice to meet you, Jesse. <laughs> I don't know why I've read out Jesse's name like four times in the first opening line. I listen to you guys at 5 a.m. during my morning commute in Washington, D.C. Fantastic. That's pretty cool. We've mm. had Tijuana, Mexico. We've had Washington, D.C. This is just people living in these wacky, awesome, exciting places. <laughs> That are better than where I live. Um, my wife and I are planning a first-time trip to Japan. We want to climb Mount Fuji. Any advice on this excursion? We miss your video since it was taken down. Advice on getting there uh, or leaving luggage somewhere or sleeping outside like you did. Renting equipment, question mark. Thanks for the podcast, Jesse. Um, yes, so Mount Fuji. My, uh, I've got a friend who's coming in May to Japan and top of their list was to climb Mount, Mount Fuji mm. and I had to point out to them you can't really do it outside of um, outside of August and September because it's very snowy and very dangerous on top uh, so there's only two months in the year that you can climb Mount Fuji unfortunately ah. uh, my first bit of advice is get the bus from Shinjuku save yourself some time and hassle just get on the bus it's nice and simple it takes you all the way from Shinjuku station up to, I believe, Station 5, if I recall. Station 5 on Mount Fuji. Right. Um, and you can put your bags in a locker near Shinjuku Station, put all your luggage and stuff in a locker if you don't have a hotel. Yeah. Um, in terms of staying on the mountain, I've never done that. Mm. But you can book a hut if you plan to climb throughout the night. Most people climb throughout the... They start kind of in the evening or the late afternoon. They climb up for a bit, have a nap and then wake up at 2am and finish the job, like I did. Yeah. Um, I didn't book uh, a place to sleep, so I had to sleep on a rock. It was very unpleasant, one of the most unpleasant like <laughs> nights of my life. In fact, there's not a lot about my Mount Fuji climbing experience that I particularly enjoy yeah. or relish, um, other than the video, which people seem to like. And then it got taken down by YouTube for copyright infringement. Yay. Uh. I have to put it back somehow. I've still got a copy of it. I've got to try and work out how to... Um, take off the music and put some normal music on. Well, that'll be, I mean, um, that'll be an easy hit for you, won't it, video-wise? Bang it up. There we go. <laughs> there's me I up could, I mean, I, again. I'll be damned if I'm doing it again, though, honestly. They say, there's a proverb, a wise man climbs Mount Fuji once, a Muppet climbs it twice. Yeah. Um, and I can see why, because it wasn't that much fun. That said, <laughs> if I did it again, I'd climb during the day, because the sunrise, which everyone climbs for, it's all right, but you've probably seen the sunrise before, and it's you just, yeah. I felt like I don't know why I climbed during the night. You put yourself through it's just so much unnecessary hell by climbing through the night, yeah. um, just for a sunrise. Honestly, I just climbed during the day. My friend did it in one day. He got up early. I think he started at seven a.m. Got up around eleven a.m. and then came down by three or four. Perfect. That's what I would do if I did it again. Oh, so you could actually, so you could actually like climb. A hour nightmare. You could actually, you could actually climb up and down in a day. Then, so it's not like you have to climb yeah, yeah. up in like you know. It takes like eight hours, and then you sleep there, and then come back down. You do. You can get up quite early, get up there, and yeah, then get yeah. down. Absolutely, ah. absolutely. But people just love the sunrise. It's right. become like that's that is part of the whole yeah. experience of climbing Mount Fuji. Yeah, um, ah. for some reason. Yeah, it was nice. A little bit ruined because there queuing. was. I reckon there must have been like one thousand people up on the mountain with mm. us, and that's not an exaggeration. It's genuinely like 
Mount Fuji becomes a theme park attraction in August and September just because of the number of people, the sheer number of people that want to climb it. Yeah. Um, so when the sun rose up, everyone just went mental and everyone was just shouting, Sugoi, Sugoi, and it just kind of ruined the moment a little bit. <laughs> you know, I don't know what the equivalent would be in English if people were just shouting on the top of a mountain like, yeah, Shit. it's the sun. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell. Fucking, yeah, the sun. Yeah. It's just, just a bit annoying. Um but, uh, yeah, I mean, go for it. Go for it. Do it between July and September um, and have a great time with it, Jesse. Uh, my advice, though, if you can book yourself into a little house, go for it. Because mm. if you're going to climb at night, it definitely pays off to sleep along the way. And I know people that have slept and it's much more pleasant to do that. Yeah. But you will be crammed into a little room with like 100 people sleeping on your face because it's just so cramped. <laughs> You see the pictures of these rooms you sleep in. It's like a free-for-all. You just make your bed wherever, and then people just like throw a pillow on your face and use your face as a pillow. <laughs> Not even exaggeration. It's oh mental. dear. That's awful. And that's why you should climb it, Pete. Yeah, well, I've never done it, have I? So, but I didn't realise you could climb it and then climb back down in like a day. I, I, I think I'd be yeah. up for that. But it's, just, it's the queue and I can't be arsed with. It's the other people that... Other people as hell. Is there like a trail that you can do that nobody else does? <laughs> just go off well, east. Yeah, there's definitely some more secretive paths, but I think if you just, again, if you just climb during the day, there won't be that kind of traffic. Right. Um, I mean, I, when I climbed it, there were queues right. a lot of the time, and that ruined it. You know, when you climb a mountain, I've climbed mountain a few mountains, a few mountains, and it's a very nice. I love climbing mountains. It's very peaceful, relaxing. You kind of take it at your own pace. You enjoy the scenery. With Mount Fuji, you are climbing in a queue a lot of the time in the dark, like falling over rocks. Mm. Uh, it's cold, it's like minus two or three at the top because um, it's really high, it's 3,800 metres. Uh, there's, there's just genuinely no pleasure in it. It's just very painful and yeah. I hate it. And I might <laughs> oh be dear. doing it again. Oh dear. But you've got to do it once, Pete. You've got to do it once. Yeah, I know. Um, maybe you could come with me and, it's, year, uh, and, it. and you could be that uh, aforementioned idiot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can do the proverb. Good. I think it's time we unleash Natsuki. We wrap yeah. things up and unleash Natsuki. He will uh, making his first appearance I, uh, on on the uh, Abroad in Japan podcast. I mean, it's been a while. This, a this podcast has been running for a year now, and Natsuki's never really featured apart from the the odd stabbed stab. Uh, wow, um, but yeah, um, he's he's on the pod, Chris. He is, and he's only on for about a minute and a half. Enjoy. Um, yeah, I submitted some questions to him, but uh, yeah, here he is. Here's Natsuki. Enjoy. So I'm here with Natsuki. How are you doing, Natsuki? Hello. I'm fine. If you became emperor of Japan tomorrow afternoon, which could happen in a in alternate reality, what kind of rules would you create? What would you do? Souvenir jumper. A souvenir. <laughs> a souvenir <laughs> jumper <laughs> for everyone yeah, in Japan. Yeah. The finest souvenir jumper. Present for many people. Excellent. Well, there you go. Natsuki's emperor. That's just a taste of some of the incredible policies he would instigate. Uh, I've got some questions here, Natsuki, from some listeners. Izzy from Colchester says, My question for Natsuki is, what superpower would you have if you could and why? I want to talk to animals. Want to talk to animals? Why? Um, I have a cat and everyday cat's talking. Meowing. Meow. No, no. It's but nuance, only nuance. Right. Well, uh, absolutely. It's I, difficult to know the nuance of it of a meowing cat. What would you talk to your cat about? Are you like me? <laughs> Do you like me? Do you like me? <laughs> That's the first question. No. 
It's the first question you ask your cat. Do you like me? Do you like me? Answer is yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm very happy now. <laughs> If that is what your cat sounds like, it's probably a good thing. It can't talk. Question from Sebastian Natsuki: How do you keep so energized and positive about life? Because、uh, every day、mm. I'm drinking <laughs> sake. Yeah. Yeah. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Natsuki. Once again, thank you, Natsuki, for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. All right, I'll let you go and have a cigarette. Good old Natsuki, Chris. I think、uh, that is a lovely idea from Natsuki, making、um, ceremonial jumpers. For the new era, <laughs> that's where my mind well, always goes to. The first thing, what I love about Natsuki is the sheer randomness of it all. Right,、mm. most people would say, you know, I'll just give people money or do something nice. No, he wants to give everyone a jumper, a souvenir <laughs> jumper. Don't know where that came from, but、Fantastic. I think we can all agree there's nothing better you could receive、no. from the emperor. I think so. Than a souvenir jumper, <laughs> and I, I can't complain with his animal talk superpower ability.、Uh, I'm sure we will be able to throw some more questions to Natsuki in the future. We didn't have much time to interview him this time, hence the really short interview.、Um, <laughs> but he'll be back. Don't worry.、Um, next week we'll be talking about your what you want to do in your first 48 hours in Japan. It's an interesting topic. People always ask me about it. What should they do? In their first day or two in Japan, send us your ideas in what you've done if you've come to Japan or what you want to do when you come to Japan. What would you want to do in your first forty-eight hours? And let's take jet lag out of the equation because otherwise everyone's just going to say jet lag because that is, to be fair, the real answer. My <laughs> first forty-eight hours in Japan, typically just me in a room laying face down crying at jet lag.、Um, but yeah, let's take that out of the equation. What would you want to do? Where would you go? What would you do? Who、mm. would you meet? What would you eat? Let us know at abroadjapanpodcast at gmail dot com, and we'll be reading them out next week, having a bit of fun with that. But for now, guys, that's all. Anything you'd like to add, Pete? No. Look after yourselves in this. <laughs> no. No. Look after yourselves in the new the、um, rewa、uh, generation. Rewa. All right.、Look、well, it doesn't start until May first. There's no rewa、uh, yet. All right. So, so we could do the first of,、uh, podcast、Heisei. in the Rewa、um, in the Rewa era, a little bit later on. We could, under Crown Prince Naruto. Something to look forward to, isn't it? Yeah,、definitely. even though it literally means nothing will change. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing of actual value for the podcast. But,、uh, yeah. All right then. Away we go. But for now, guys, no matter where you might be out there in the big wide world, have yourself a great week, and we'll be back next Thursday. Do it all over again. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.